As I said this morning, it is uh, really special uh, to be back here. And it's uh, incredible to watch and see what God is doing. And there's a lot of language and faith around wanting an encounter with God. We talked about that this morning, but it's more than just his word for this morning. Wanting to experience God in fullness and in truth and everything that he has for us. But tonight we're going to look at the passage that teaches us kind of a wrinkle in that. So much of the Bible will tell you that God is eager to have an encounter with you, but that rarely happens when you try to find him alone. It rarely happens where two or three are gathered in my name, then I am there with them. And it may be the case that for some of us, we are seeking an encounter with God, but we find ourselves compelled to do that alone because we're not just quite sure where we fit or if we belong. Now, I can relate really well to this. Here's my story. I grew up as a missionary kid. So I may be white on the outside, but I'm actually Asian on the inside. <laughs> my parents were missionaries after the Korean War in South Korea. So I was born there. I lived there for 18 years. I technically am what they call a third culture kid because I've got my culture that I'm biologically connected to, but I have the culture in which I grew up. Then I have this other culture called America. So I have all these different cultures going on. And as a kid, you don't think twice about it. You're just normal. You got friends in school. You're just living life. But when I moved at 18 to go to university, it became a real crisis. I didn't fit in anywhere. And I had this question, where do I belong? Nobody could quite understand me. They couldn't quite understand my story. I'd grown up in a country where there was one currency. When I moved to America, I had never used dollars before. And I literally had to take a calculator around so I would understand the value of something because a shirt could be $5 or $50 meant nothing to me. And I had to translate it into the Korean currency that I had used as a kid to understand its value. So I had all these strange traits to me, and going through university the first year or the second year was really tough when you don't know where you fit. And you feel like you don't really quite fit anywhere. And then I began to discover that I wasn't the only one kind of asking this question and really struggling with, does anybody really get me? Where do I belong? Where do I fit? And if you feel that way and you are beginning to do faith and Christianity kind of on your own, it's so much harder to have an encounter with God when God says, no, you gotta find where you belong. And then together, you will experience so much more of me. If you know what your value is and how you fit and a place where you can belong. And the starting place of that is knowing what it really means to belong to Jesus. We're going to look at a passage that I call a skip over passage. You know why I call it skip over? Because we skip over it to get to the good stuff. And sometimes we miss the really good stuff when we skip over it. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. This is when Jesus called his followers together. And more than anything, when he called them together, here's what his message, I want you with me. I really want you with me. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted. Notice it doesn't say those he needed. 
but those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And these are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bornerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, sons of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now I realize that passage may not say much until you really begin to look at it. Try to imagine yourself on that mountainside, and you're one of those 12. The list is given specifically because God wants you to see yourself in that 12. And it says, Jesus called together those he wanted, not those he needed. I got two grandsons, Mason and Liam. They're five and they're four. They're utterly hopeless. They offer no valuable contribution to our family whatsoever. They can't earn money. They can eat all my groceries, make me spend money. They cannot earn any money and contribute to the purchases of groceries. They can break stuff. They don't know how to fix stuff. They're absolutely hopeless. They offer nothing productivity-wise to our family. But I cannot tell you how much they are wanted. As a granddad, I would move heaven and earth so they would know they belong here. They belong in this family. And sometimes when we look at ourselves in Christ or even in the church, we wonder, am I really needed? And if we define our place to belong by I'm needed, it will mess us up. Because we will see other people who seem to offer a greater contribution than us. Jesus did not call those he needed. He called those he wanted. And then this list is given to us. Because in this list you will find yourself. And there are times in your journey of faith when you will question whether or not you are wanted. Do I really belong? Just like the disciples did. And at that moment, you stop and you remind yourself, no, Jesus wants me. There's a place for me. A place where I can belong. Think about this list. Simon. Simon was known for one thing. He was always failing. He failed all the time. Remember the sinking in the water? Remember cutting off the ear of the soldier in the garden, saying this is how we're going to do it? When Jesus talked about his death, Simon had the gall to pull Jesus inside. Jesus, let me straighten you out a little bit. You really don't know what you're talking about here. To the point that Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Simon, when Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet, he goes, no, you're not going to do that. He was always making it wrong. He never quite could get it right. He seemed to fail all the time. What about you? Do you see yourself falling short a lot? You know what the Bible says, but you don't seem to measure up. And you begin to wonder, do I really belong? Does he really want me? I think Simon, when he would fail, would think about that. He denied Christ. And yet he would remember, no, no, he wants me. There is a place for you. Even when you fail, there is a place for you. Jesus wants you, regardless of your failures. He knows them, and he wants you. Then you have James and John on this list. James and John are the two most insecure people on the planet. And I can tell you why. They wanted a position with Jesus so badly that they sent their mom to go talk to Jesus to give them a greater place of posterity. You are really insecure if you need your mommy standing up for you. 
they're incredibly insecure. They look around and they wonder, wow, do I belong? Other people seem to do it so much better than I do it. Do you find yourself with some insecurity? You wonder if you're good enough? You look at other people and there's just this kind of insecurity that wells up inside of you? And you're on the list. And Jesus wants you to know that you belong and there is a place for you. Then you go on and you see somebody like Andrew. Andrew's an interesting character because it's Andrew who brings Peter to Jesus. Yet Peter gets all the credit. He's always on the top of the list. Remember the fishes and the loaves miracle? It was Andrew who found the boy with the loaves and the fishes. It was Andrew who went and got Gentiles and brought them to Jesus when it was kind of only going to Jews. He was the one who kind of broke that open. Andrew did all these cool things, never got any credit. Is that you? You feel like you're working hard, but nobody seems to recognize it? Nobody seems to acknowledge what's happening and what you're doing, and you go, did I really belong there? Is there really a place for me? And in this moment for Andrew, there may not have been credit. And in this season for us, there may not be much recognition. But you study the life of Andrew? Became the patron saint of Russia. St. Andrew's University, one of the greatest universities in Europe, named after Andrew. The Scottish flag is the blue cross of Andrew. And you may be here and you go, wow, nobody seems to recognize me. Nobody seems to acknowledge me. Do I really have a place to belong? Do I really fit in? And Jesus would just say, yes, I want you. Then there's Philip. Philip came with James and John, all from a little town called Bethsaida. They were all kind of together as mates. But when you read about Philip, he's never with them. He's kind of always on his own. They huddle together with Jesus. Philip's not there. He's the one who goes off with the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. What he does, he does, but he seems to always do it alone. Almost like, you know, these are the friends that came from my town, but I don't really fit in with them. They're like the clique. They're the cool kids. And I'm not a part of them. Do you ever feel like you don't fit in? Like you're not one of the cool kids at Church Unlimited? And you wonder, wow, I just don't fit in with that group and the way they look and the way they talk. And I wonder if Philip ever wondered, do I really belong? Do I fit in here? Because I don't seem to fit with this group. And then he would remember, no, Jesus called me because he wanted me. And you are wanted? Then there's Bartholomew on the list. Do you know what the Bible says about Bartholomew? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Do you ever feel invisible? Like nobody sees you? Like you are just completely unknown? And you come in and you go out and you come in and you go out and nobody sees you whatsoever? That's why Bartholomew's on this list. Because Jesus wants you to know that even if you feel invisible, he sees you. And he wants you no matter how you may feel, and this is a place where you can belong. Next on the list is Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He would be the one that the rest of the disciples would look at Jesus and go, really? Him? You would put him on this team? They would hate him. 
And he would know that he was hated because of his past. Whereas a Jewish person, he was stealing from elderly Jewish people. The worst of all evil. Manipulating, lying, deceiving, and aggressively stealing from elderly people through fear. That was Matthew's story. And Jesus says, Matthew, I want you on my team. But Matthew's past, I wonder if it ever came up in his mind. And if it didn't come up, I'm sure the other disciples reminded him of his past. You ever have had people remind you of your past? And you think about your past and it haunts you. And you have moments where you know God's grace is there, but you have just as many moments where you go, do I really belong? Nobody has that kind of a story that I have. And the past can haunt you, and you're on this list. Because I'm sure Jesus often reminded Matthew, as he reminds us, I want you. You are not here because you're needed. You are here because you are wanted. You are not here because you have great skill or great flourishing. You are here simply for one reason, I want you. Then you have Thomas. Thomas, who was doubting. He was unclear. He just didn't know for sure. He needed to, to know things better, and he didn't have that. What I love about the story of doubting Thomas is that he's doubting, and when Jesus comes to him, Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, you need to believe more. He says, you need to see this to believe? Okay, here you go. And he gives Thomas what Thomas needs, even though Thomas is doubting. And you get in a place like this, and people have great vision, and they've got great clarity, and you're going, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm not sure, and you doubt, and you go, maybe I don't fit in, because I don't have that kind of crystal clarity, and I don't always have that kind of faith. I got a lot of doubts. I need a miracle, but there's a lot of doubts in me, and you don't tell anybody about it, but you begin to question, do I fit in? Do I belong? And Jesus knows who you are, and that's why Matthew is on this list, so that he can resonate with you. You belong. I want you. Doubts and all, I want you. Then there's James. James has a nickname. He's called James the Lesser. Isn't that a cool nickname? How would you like to be called Joel the Lesser? I don't know who the greater is. I'm the lesser. Do you ever feel that way? You compare yourself to everyone else, and they all seem greater Greater in faith, greater in obedience, greater in commitment, greater in spirituality. And when you do the comparison thing, you go, wow, everybody is so greater. I'm not sure I belong. I'll just stay home and do online Zooming. And Jesus puts James on the list for you because he wants you to know that even when you look around and see and think everybody is greater, you are still most wanted by him. Then you got Thaddeus. Thaddeus is on the list for some of us. Because you know how there's a statement that says there are no dumb questions? It's not true. There are dumb questions. And Thaddeus asked it. And it's all he's known for. In John 14, Jesus makes this statement. I am going to show myself to the world. And right after it, Thaddeus goes, Jesus, are you going to show yourself to the world? And the disciples are going, really? What are you, an idiot? Do you ever feel dumb? People share about the Bible and you're just going, I don't understand most of it. 
I don't quite know what's going on. And Thaddeus is on the list for you and for me when you just feel like you're not quite at that level of knowledge that everybody else is around you. And you go, maybe I don't fit in here. And Jesus says, no, 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 I want you. If you ask me questions, there are no dumb questions. I want you in this group. Then you have Simon the Zealot. Zealots were terrorists. They were revolutionaries. They wanted to kill every Roman there was. They wanted to overthrow the government. Imagine how frustrated and angry Simon the Zealot got when Jesus healed the Roman centurion's child. You healed the enemy? Simon lived angry. Really angry, emotionally in turmoil. And I wonder if there were times when Simon would go, I just don't fit in here. I'm not like these other people. Do you find yourself emotionally in that kind of turmoil where you're really angry at times? Really upset? Usually with other Christians? And you just go, I don't belong. And Jesus says, no, the reason why Simon's on the list is because I want you on that list. I want you. This is a place for you to belong. And lastly, you have Judas, the betrayer. Do you remember what Jesus called Judas in the garden at the moment of betrayal? He says, Judas, my friend. Judas was wanted by Jesus. And even at the last minute, Jesus held out hope, maybe there'll be a change. My friend, and you may be here, and it's almost a miracle you're in church tonight. But as you look at how you live publicly with your other friends, and you feel like, wow, I deny him. Nobody knows. Maybe I don't belong. Maybe I don't fit in. But Jesus would say to you tonight so clearly, I want you. Jesus called those he wanted not those he needed, and we're given this list of names so that we can see, wow, I'm on that list. I am right there. One of those personalities, two of those personalities, hopefully not all 12 of them, but a few of those personalities, they resonate with me. And you have a really simple choice. Do you believe what Jesus says about you? Will you believe what he says when he says, no, no, I'm calling you because I want you. He names you. He gives you this identity of wanting you, and then he names you. It says specifically that he gives these nicknames out, which I think is so cool. When you give somebody a nickname, you're like close mates. And he gives them a nickname. You're not Simon anymore. You're going to be the rock. Now, at that point, he was the farthest thing from the rock. But when Jesus names you, he is not just simply describing you in the present. He is determining what your future looks like. And he gathers them together and he begins to name. Because a name gives you a family identity. My name is kind of a funky name. Joel Home is a normal name, but my middle name is actually two middle names. It's Chang, C-H-A-N-G, space, up, U-P. I have a middle name, up. Now that's a really weird name. Except when my dad became a missionary, the man who went and served alongside of him was a Korean man named Che Chung Up. For 30 years, they worked together. So when I was born, my mom and dad gave me the middle name of Chung Up. I am so grateful to carry that name. 
it's a hassle when you do paperwork for visas. I don't care. Because it identifies me. It gives me a sense of heritage and a sense of identity that is so important. Jesus doesn't just call those he wanted. Say, no, no, there's a place for you to belong. He then names them. Isaiah 43 puts it this way. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God is waiting to have such an encounter with you. But oftentimes that encounter does not come alone. And the starting point for that encounter is recognizing, do I fit? Yes, I do. Whether I'm angry, whether I have doubts, whether I feel like I don't fit in, whether I'm invisible, whether I've denied him, whether I fail, whatever is on this long list of people that he picked, I fit in because they fit in. He wants me. We have a whole different way of defining people in society. And we have to be careful that we do not allow that to seep into the church. You are wanted just like I want my grandkids. You may or may not be needed, but I can tell you this, you are definitely wanted. And when you say, oh, I can belong here. I can belong at Church Unlimited. And all of a sudden you discover everybody else is just as messed up as you are. And together we discover the grace and the power of God transforming us because he's the one who names us. And when he names us, he is declaring us over us a new identity. He says, James and John, you know those two that are incredibly insecure? You're going to be sons of thunder. They were the last thing from sons of thunder. Early on, when they're walking through Samaria, Jesus, uh, a village in Samaria, they won't have anything to do with Jesus. So here's what James and John say. They say, let's just call fire down on them. Let's just burn them. Let's fry them. These are insecure people. No compassion whatsoever. Later on in the book of Acts, when there's an outbreak of the gospel in Samaria, James is the first one to say, I'll go up there. I'll minister to him. Jesus doesn't just want you. He names you. And when he names you, you begin to hear all that he sees about you. Some of you have grown up hearing the wrong name. You've heard your parents call you a name that was so wrong. You have heard teachers call you names that were so wrong. You may have even heard churches and other Christians call you names. And the starting place is to say, wow, Jesus calls me a name. And you got to hear that name. You're God's child. You are loved. You are beautiful. You are worthwhile. You have a purpose. And he gives you this name and you go, wow, I have this name. And you may not see all of it now, but you will see it because when he declares over a name over you, he is declaring your future over you. You go, I belong here. Together we can encounter God in an amazing way. And when he nicknames you, he creates this kind of tight friendship. I was, uh, had a really rough day. You ever had a rough day? I had a really rough day. And I was walking out of the, my home church, and I just had a really rough day. So I called a friend of mine up, and I said, listen, John, I've had a rough day. Would you, would you just say a prayer with me? He was about 20 minutes on his way home. He said, Joel, I'll be right there. He hung up the phone, turned around, and drove 20 minutes back. 
for one purpose, to stand in the parking lot with me for three minutes, hold my hand, and pray for me. That's what it means to belong someplace. That's when you know, oh, I do fit in here. We are friends together. I do belong because of Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to call me my friends. He, he, he really wants you. He names you. And then lastly, what is so cool about this is he actually trusts you. Now that's maybe really hard for you to understand. Think of the disciples. They're together, and all of a sudden, right away, he sends them out. They haven't gone through Church Unlimited's internship program. They haven't done anything. It's like if anybody is not qualified to go out in the power of God, it's these 12. And right away he sends them out. Why? He knows they're going to stuff it up. But he still sends them out. Why? Because he wants them to understand the nature of the relationship he wants with them. And that's one of trust. And he's saying to them, I trust you. Did you know that Jesus trusts you a whole lot more than you trust yourself? You go, how could he trust me? I don't have the skill set. Look at my life. But he doesn't measure it the way the world measures it. He trusts it by who you are becoming and what he is doing. That's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. He trusts us and we trust him. And in that situation, you have this unbelievable connection. Parents have to trust their kids as they grow up. But even more importantly than a parent trusting a kid is the kids have to trust the parents. Because if your kids will trust you, then they'll talk to you. If your kids will trust you, they'll rely on you. If your kids will trust you and they've got to make decisions, they'll come to you for wisdom. So Jesus starts out by going, I'm going to want you, I'm going to name you, and I'm going to trust you because when you come to those crossroads, I want you to trust me. But I'm going to start it by trusting you first. Go in my name. Here's the choice you have. Do I really believe that? Do I really believe that the Lord wants me, names me, and he trusts me? Because he sends them out together, closely, so that they would belong together. I was in an art institute, and it was the, a big painting, big Italian painting of the Lord's Supper, all 12 disciples with Jesus in the middle. You've seen one of those paintings? And I'm standing next to a guy. I don't know who he is, but I couldn't resist. I said, can you name them all? He laughed. He goes, nobody can name them all. We can name one or two, you know, Peter, James, John, but nobody can name them all. But for Jesus, it wasn't about one or two individuals. It was about them going out together. And he says, listen, if you can get a hold of this, I am naming you, I want you, I am sending you all together. The 12, you are a new family together. There is a place where you belong and you will discover your true identity together. That's why you gotta be really careful because wanting to have every encounter with God all on your own, the Bible doesn't teach it that way. The Bible says you will have this amazing encounter with God when you know that you belong and you're with others together. And together you discover who he is. I'll give you an example of this. Let's say, and this is a dream of mine, I bought the most recent Tesla, all right? And I had the Tesla, and I said, come over to my house, check out my Tesla. And you come to my house, and I take you into my garage. And I open the garage door, and you come into the garage, and you're kind of looking around a little confused. You're going, Joel, I don't get it. Because over in this corner of the garage, you see some headlights. And there's a big battery leaning against the wall there. 
And then over here is an engine, and you're going, I don't get it. I said, well, this is my Tesla, but it's not assembled. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. It's not enough to gather in a room. you got to assemble yourselves together. And you will most know that you belong, and you will most know who you are when you are linked together, when you identify yourself. A flashlight doesn't know what it is until it's linked with the other parts of the car, in a sense. That's the metaphor of the body. When you have this body, you go, wow, I know what my part is because I'm linked to the other parts. I, Joel, I'm kind of a kidney. I'm okay with that. Nobody quite knows what it does, but I know who I am. You will only know who you are when you're hooked to other parts of the body, when you belong. A hand only knows what a hand is when it's hooked up to the rest of the arm. A foot only knows what a foot is when it's hooked up to the rest of the body. And as long as you are alone and isolated, you will miss out on discovering so much of your identity. you got to be assembled together. And the starting point is to trust what Jesus says. Do I really belong? He wants you. He really wants you. And he names you. And he trusts you. So the encounter I believe that the Lord wants to have with us tonight Maybe a little less dynamic, but just as powerful. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask you to make a choice of faith tonight. And the choice of faith is this. Perhaps you would say, Joel, I am one of those 12. And I have questioned, do I fit? Do I really belong? Maybe you have seen yourself and you go, wow, I just keep having these failures. And tonight, the encounter God wants to have with you is simply to say, I want you. There's a place for you. Maybe there's all kinds of doubts and you're like Andrew. Maybe you feel like you are invisible and nobody sees you. And Jesus says, I want you. I see you. Maybe you're like somebody who just doesn't get any credit. Your family doesn't give you credit for the hard work you do. You work so hard and nobody seems to give you credit. And Jesus says, I see you. And you have a choice of faith, just like the disciples had. He called those he wanted and they came to him. The choice of faith simply is to receive what he says. To receive the name he calls you. Not the name society has called you. Not the name others call you, but the name he calls you. To believe he trusts you, right here, wherever you're at. He trusts you and he wants you to trust him. That's the nature of the relationship he wants. So this encounter, it's kind of a simple one, but it's really important. And just like he was on the mountainside with the 12, he's right here, right now, with you. So I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes just to eliminate distractions. And I'm gonna ask you to take your two hands and just open up in front of you. And it's an act of receiving 
what he says. If you have questioned, do I belong? Do I fit in? If you looked at yourself and feel like you don't measure up, right now in this moment, with open arms before him, receive what he says. Hear the voice of the Lord calling you, not because you're needed, because you're wanted. Hear him speak a name over you, like he did with Simon, and James and John. To some of you who have been hidden, he is speaking a name over you of boldness. And if you will receive it, you will discover a boldness in the weeks to come. To some of you who are disenfranchised in relationships, he is speaking a name over you of reconciliation and peace. And you will discover a love and a grace. He trusts you. And together he sends us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. With words we find hard to speak. We thank you for this simple passage. And we see ourselves in it. We receive tonight, Lord God, what you say. Not what we feel, not what we think, not what others say. We receive what you say. You want us. And so we're here. And we are incredibly grateful that you want us. No matter any of our hang-ups, you want us. We receive that. We believe it, Lord God. And I pray now by the Spirit of God, you would declare a name over each of us. That we would hear you speak to us. A name that defines and describes who you are making each of us into. That we would no longer hear the name of others and the name of the world and the name of those who have spoken wrongly over us, but we would hear you declare a name over us, each and every one of us. And Lord, it kind of mystifies me. But since you said it, I believe it, that you trust me. And it helps me to trust you. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. Thank you for giving us a place to belong together here at Church Unlimited. May we grow together. May we encounter you together. May we be sent out together for your glory and your purpose. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.